Good everybody! Welcome to another episode of Young Metallica TIS Podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Nice to have you back in the shop. Hope my voice has gotten better over the last week. Uh, so that's good. So no more coughing and croaking and my voice sounding like a uh, wounded cow for this week's episode. We got a jam-packed, busy program for you this week. Uh, lots of football, divisional uh, games to talk about. National Football College, uh, or excuse me, College Football National Championship preview that's going to be played on Monday. I mean, why don't they just push the game back to Valentine's Day? I mean, Jay West, two weeks in between, but we've already rehashed that. And also talk about the new coaches that has been hired in the NFL landscape since the last time me and you have uh, chatted. Uh, welcome, everybody. Jai Shields, yours truly, host of this glorious little podcast. And let's jump right into it. With, uh, let's, let's see. So I'll take a break. I'll get to my first point in the, in the monologue, and then I will t- and then I'll take a break, and then I'll talk about the coaching hires over the last couple of days, take a break from there, do national championship, and then uh, talk about the divisional games that are to be played this weekend. But uh, first things first, uh, this is just a rehash of something I stressed on back on Sunday's episode is that I don't want to hear a single. I don't want to hear a peep from a Saints fan, from a Saints player, personnel, the owner Gil Benson. You know, not a new a New Orleans, a New Orleander, whatever the you know the citizens of New Orleans. I a Louisiana guy that's a or gal that's a patron. I don't. I don't want to hear it. Okay, I do not want to hear a peep. Not a word about rule changes, about lawsuits with the NFL, about I don't hear any of that. Because the fact of the matter is, you guys, okay, the New Orleans Saints spit the bit in the game. Uh, let's 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 call it like we see it. The New Orleans Saints spit the bit in the football game. They did absolutely. I mean they. they 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 let Kirk Cousins, okay? Kirk Cousins, who heading into this game had yet to win a playoff game in his life, really does nothing in the big stage, whether it be prime time, especially Monday night football, whatever the case might be, and you essentially let him walk in to the Superdome and and turn into Frank Tarkenton in in, in the ballgame. I mean that that is a joke. And I don't want to hear a Saints fan. I don't want to hear the owner. I don't want to hear anything. Not not the owner, not the uh, not the uh, GM, not Sean Payton. I'm not interested. Not not the fans. I, I'm I, shut up. I, I don't care because the fact of the matter is that that game was there for you to have. Okay, your season, Saints. When everybody and their mother, yours truly, who you're listening to included, predicted predicted the Saints to go to the Super Bowl. Okay, they were Super Bowl favorites, and I, for one, picked them to go to Super Bowl, as was NFL Network Cynthia Freeland and others predicted the Saints to go to the Super Bowl. After coming off a back-to-back heartbreaking season and their season, many predicted them to go to the Super Bowl. And for the New Orleans Saints, okay, the New Orleans Saints, that are basically the end-all and be-all as far as Louisiana sports is concerned, next to LSU football and... Uh, and and the Pelicans who right now stink, but I mean that that is absolutely un, un that that's an abomination that you guys favored to win the whole thing in August could not uh, spit the bit 
against the fifth seed Vikings at home. After your previous playoff home game, granted, you got screwed by the refs, but Drew Brees did not play great in that game either. Interceptions, you know, they, I mean, do I have to rehash the uh, championship game? They came out, the punt, they punched the Saints, or excuse me, they punched the Rams right in the mouth. Rams didn't know who struck John. They were fiddled and were rattled. Repeat, rattled, especially in the first half, first quarter, especially in the NFC Championship game. Uh, Golf and the offensive line didn't know how to handle the crowd noise, nothing. And the Saints had their foot on their necks in the beginning of the ball game, and for whatever the reason, did not did not give them the jug. Didn't go for the juggler and go for the uh, the uh, finishing punch. They they did they didn't go for it. And what happened? Allowed the allowed the uh, they allowed the Rams to get back in the game. Golf made a couple of big plays late, and of course you got the pass interference call and everything else. Breeze throws an interception. Greg Zerline hits the game tying and hits the game winning field and hits the game winning field goal. But that, but but Saints, I, I again don't I don't want to hear a peep, not a word. When Drew Brees, okay, Drew Brees, who I argued for New Year's Eve that it was a disgrace that he was kept off the NFL 100 all-time team, and Brett Favre, you know, who has no business being on, I fought for Drew Brees before, you know, I fought for Drew Brees' sake prior to the game, and then this and then this is what he does to me here. In a home game against in a home game against Kirk, not Fran Tarkenton, not Brett Favre, Kirk Cousins. This is what he does. This this is what this is what this is how Drew Brees and New Orleans Saints, who I've been rooting for the entire season. I was, I gave of course I gave you this scenario early in the season, how I met and ran how I met up with uh, their return guy, Pro Bowl All Pro, uh, and undrafted rookie. And Deontay Harris, who went, who's who's an alumni of the high school that I'm attending right now, going to graduate in May in Archbishop Curley. I, I'm uh, so I'm not just a little, you know, fraud little quote unquote Saints groupie that hopped on at the last minute. I predicted them. I predicted them to go to the Super Bowl. I screamed and yelled last January about the pass interference play. I I vouched for Drew Brees, you know, for the for him not for him not being on the top ten all time quarterback list. So uh, I'm not a Saints fan at heart. But I'm not someone that's just that's just hopping on the Saints just to be cool, okay? I I've you know I've been I've pulled for the Saints essentially been pulling for them this season since August, okay? Since August, so but I mean Drew Brees, this is what this is what you this is what you want to do for me now. Twenty six for thirty three was granted isn't that bad, but I can't but you can't win playoff games throwing two hundred and eight passing yards a touchdown and throwing a, and a, throwing a bonehead asinine interception late in the second quarter in in the middle of the field in double coverage, and they got Kirk Cousins out here looking like Fran Tarkenton in the game, and Dalvin Cook rushing for ninety four yards and two touchdown pass and two touchdown rushes. Drew Brees was the third best quarterback on the field on Sunday. Third, Taysom Hill, the other guy, the you know Sean Payton's utility, you know Swiss Army knife. He was he was better than Brees on Sunday. Brees was the third best quarterback on the field on Sunday. And and, and I tell you, if I was a Saints fan, I would be dismayed and I would be pissed off that Sean Payton and Drew Brees are bouncing around courtside. You know, Pelicans and Bulls, both teams that stink, 
and don't have a chance in hell to make it into the playoffs in the Western Conference, I'd be I'd be unbearably dismayed that those two, Peyton and Breeze, who both spit the bit, especially Breeze, but both spit the bit on Sunday, are sitting there courtside at the uh, at the Pelicans Bulls game on Wednesday night, whatever night it was. I mean, I, I got Peyton bouncing around with bounce around with his son. And you know, you know his fiance that he that he uh, that's probably twenty six years of age that he uh, picked off when he was bouncing around uh, Sunset Boulevard when he played the uh, Rams back in week two, and I I got him I got him and the fiance and his son who is probably a grown man bouncing around Pelicans courtside, and I got Drew Brees and his two kids that are part of the uh, Zion Williamson fan club sitting there right next to him. If I was a if I if I was an objective Saints fan and had a little bit of common sense and wasn't so quick to point the finger and blame the officials and ref ball and the NFL and all that nonsense, I would say I'd say Drew Payton, get the hell out of Smoothie King Smoothie King Arena, Smoothie King Center, okay? You all are not even a week removed from losing a playoff game that, in hindsight, you really had no business losing, okay? Everybody in America, for the most part, picked you guys to go to, go to the Super Bowl. And this is what you give me. You allow Kirk Cousins to look like Fran Tarkenton and, you, and Drew Brees in a pair, you know, and I got Drew Brees playing like uh, Archie Manning, no disrespect, but he wasn't, he didn't play like Drew Brees in the game. It was almost as if, like, Kirk Cousins and Drew Brees switched bodies, and it was Drew Brees that was wearing a a Vikings uniform on Sunday, and it was Kirk Cousins wearing a Saints uniform on a Sunday because it was like the polar opposites of each other. You know, it was it was like a you know cross intervention, whatever the hell I'm saying. But you get the idea. Those two should not be at any. Again, if it was mid February, mid March, I understand. But less than a week after you lost a playoff game. A devastating one in overtime, no less. Back to back, the only team in NFL history to lose back to end their season and play back to back and lose back to back overtime games at home. You've lost two straight playoff games at home, both in overtime and both to inferior teams and inferior quarterbacks that you had really no business losing to. You've done nothing since you won your championship ten years ago. You had the beast quick with Marshawn. Yeah, you, uh, you lost. Let me see if I can look. Let me see if I can uh, look this up here on my uh, facts and figures book. But you, but you hadn't. But Beastquake the year after you, you won eleven games and and you let Marshall Lynch run run all over you in the uh, you know in the playoff game in two thousand and ten. That that was the seven and nine Seahawks team. Okay, seven and nine. They 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 weren't you know this isn't Russell this isn't Russell Wilson's uh you know this isn't Russell Wilson and uh, Pete Carroll Seahawks you know a la the Legion of Boom no 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 this was Matt Hasselbeck and uh, Marshawn Lynch with uh, Mike Holmgren calling the plays so let's so let's let's take it easy but still I mean that that is a joke you've done nothing since since you won your Super Bowl ten years ago absolutely nothing. And for you to basically have Kirk Cousins, okay, Kirk Cousins, who isn't a pet, <coughs> excuse me, who isn't a patch on, on Brett Favre's, on Warren Moon's, on Randall Cunningham's, Hams, or on Fran Tarkenton's ass. You allow him to waltz in there without really, without without having won a playoff game ever in his career. You allow him to waltz in there, beat you. And you guys to turn around less than six, six, seven days later, bouncing around courtside 
with uh, pe- with uh, gar- watching the garbage pelicans and the uh, and the um, and the uh, Chicago Bulls. I mean, I tell you, if I was a Saints fan, I, I I'd be. If I was a Saints fan that had a lick of uh, objectivity and common sense, I'd be annoyed. Okay, I'd be annoyed. They've done. They've done nothing. Repeat, absolutely nothing since their Super Bowl championship. Nothing. 2010 went 11 and 5 and lost to the Seahawks in the Beastquake game. 2011 went 13 and 3 and lost to the 49ers with uh, the Vernon with the Vernon Davis catch late in the ball game with Alex Smith at quarterback. Not not Garoppolo, not Young, not Montana. Alex Smith. 2012 that's when all, all the stuff with Spygate came with excuse me, with Bounty came down. You went seven and nine, missed the playoffs. Went eleven and five in two thousand thirteen. Lost to the Seahawks again on the road. Okay, two thousand fourteen, seven and nine, didn't make the playoffs. Two thousand fifteen, seven and nine, again did not make the playoffs. Two thousand sixteen, another seven and nine season, did not make the playoffs. Two thousand seventeen, you went eleven and five, beat Carolina, and then the Minneapolis Miracle game. 2018, of course, went 13 and 3. High expectations. He got screwed over by Ref Ball, but the Saints shouldn't have put themselves in that situation for Ref Ball to, to, uh, to be the end all be all for him in the game. And in 2019, he go 13 and 3 again. Should have been should have been the number one seed in the playoffs, in my opinion. Your defense plays well after Drew B's injures his thumb in weeks two. Weeks three through seven, Teddy Bridgewater plays phenomenal. You clinch your division title on Thanksgiving night. And you let Kirk Cousins waltz in there and basically embarrass you on your home field. That's a disgrace. And Peyton and Breeze should be in hiding till training camp. Given that performance, they gave the Saints fans at home on Sunday. Terrible. And one other thing. One other thing. The frauds, Harry and Megan. Okay. Now I understand that I'm not, I don't have a lick of British blood in me. At least that I knew. I'm not a British taxpayer. I don't live over there. But still. For both of them. Who basically... Their wedding costs, I don't have to, it was over, it was, I think it was about $3 million. Check, $3 million, okay? Here in the States, you know, if, you know, your brother and his girlfriend get married, the you know, his girlfriend's parents pay for the, pay for the thing. You know, and, and if you're not going overboard, it should cost no, no more than 20, than about 20, than, than 20 grand. twenty twenty five thousand $25,000. None, not these two. These two had, in the wedding costs millions, millions and millions of dollars. Okay, costs an arm and a leg out of the out of the uh, taxpayers' money over there in uh, in London, an arm and a leg to march up and down the aisle for that for that long egregious asinine wedding 
that that my mother and everybody from the Today Show to Good Morning America told you, gosh darn it, you have to you had to wake up at six thirty on a godforsaken morning in the middle of on a godforsaken Saturday morning in the middle of May to see these two march down the aisle for their you know for the you know to talk spend the whole day gazing into each other's eyes talking about how much they like each other. And I got these two talking about, well, stepping down from royal duties because we can't handle it. Now, granted, has the media over there and even some here been fair to them? Absolutely not. Have they been racist? Have they have they not given, you know, Megan a fair, fair shake, per se? That's fair to say. But let's be honest. Megan, okay, did Barack Obama and Michelle Obama step down in, uh, you know, in 2000, you know, in July of or... You know, in March of 2011, and say you know what the me the media, you know Fox News and everybody else, you know all the media and everybody else, the citizens, I I can't take them attacking me and attacking my character and them making fun of me and because I'm black and because I'm this because I'm that did 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 Michelle and Barack Obama step down? Absolutely not. You know what they did? They muted it out. They were adults. They put their big boy and big girl pants on. And you know what? They took it. And they dealt with it. And they turned a blind eye. And put the proverbial mute button on. And didn't hear it and didn't pay it attention and didn't give it any mind. These two... You know, it's it's too it's too much. You know, step down. But they're not going to step down all the way. You know, it's it's you know they're playing the, they're playing the half and half, putting one foot out the door. So we you know so if we want to bounce around and you know kiss kiss babies on the forehead and cut ribbons and fart around and do all that dopey nonsense, you know when uh, Donald Trump pays his visit to England, whatever whenever that might be in the near future, you know they can be dignitaries and sit up here and eat cucumber sandwiches and uh, and drink tea, you know to the queen. Every five minutes, but you know, if but if that's not going on, well, uh, you know, we can be co- we can be close to Megan's mother in L.A. We can have Oprah Winfrey, you know, give us this God, you know, have an Oprah Winfrey show at uh, Megan Markle's house and have and have Serena. We can all sit around and eat tea and crumpets and uh, talk about Essence Fest and bounce around Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles. And if we want, and oh, by the way, if we want to go on a skiing trip for the holidays, yeah, we'll go up to uh, to British Columbia and uh, bounce around Vancouver in uh, Canada for in the, in the wintertime. But if, you know, but still be in London so we can uh, kiss babies and uh, shake presidents and dignitaries and and uh, fellow members of the monarch over in England. I mean, give me a freaking break, you know. Do the do the coin toss when um, you know when the Jaguars and the uh, and the and the Rams. You know, I'm I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know the specific uh, you know teams that are set to play in London next year for the NFL, but. You know when when the Rams and the uh, and the Jaguars or the Rams and the or the uh, Jaguars and the Texans play, we can have them. You know, shake uh, Bill Vinovich's hand and uh, take a pic, take pictures with Gardner Minshew. Get that out there for uh, social media. Get that up 
up uh, popping and going with the likes and the views. We can do the coin toss. And then, by the way, once we're finished with that, we'll watch five minutes and we'll hop on a plane and, and fly back to, to uh, Los Angeles. And we can have a, a three-hour love fest with uh, Oprah and uh, and uh, Serena Williams. I mean, goodness, goodness, what, what a bunch of frauds. After, you know, spending the taxpayers' hard-earned money you know, paying for her, paying for her dopey wardrobe and that asinine wedding, that you know, that you know, people of you know every show from today to Good Morning America basically swore swore by it, you know, making it seem like it was the uh, the moon landing reincarnated that you had to be in front of a television set in the wee hours of some godforsaken Saturday in the middle of May. I mean, give me a freaking break. And Breeze and Peyton. Stop bouncing around with Zion at at the Pelicans Arena, and and hunker down and figure out why in the hell you guys lost to the five seeded Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins in your own building. Think about that for a minute. Take a break. I will discuss the NFL head coaching changes around the league. Back right after this. Excuse me. Welcome back to Amatelic and TIS Podcast. Switching gears now to the NFL coaching changes that has occurred along and around the National Football League the last couple of days. Uh, first off, uh, or excuse me, first off, the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys have found their new head coach and former Green Bay Packers coach that was fired Midway last year, if I remember correctly, in uh, Mike McCarthy, who, of course, ironically, the day I'm recording this, marks the the five-year anniversary, yep, the five-year anniversary of the uh, Des Bryant play when uh, McCarthy was a coach of the Packers at the time with uh, the did did Des catch it deal and everything else. Uh, so just a little tidbit, just to throw out there for you. But um, he's new head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, he's an upgrade from Jason Garrett, which, which to back to which to be quite honest with you, isn't really saying much. But but still, I mean, it's an improve. It's an improvement from Jason Garrett, nonetheless. Uh, I mean. Psh- He'll make him a playoff team. He's won. He of course he's won many a playoff games, you know. As a Packer coach, he won a Super Bowl nine years ago with it, but it was a that was a long time ago. Nearly a decade has gone by since his last championship for him and Rodgers and the Packers organization. As a matter of fact, which is why it's so important that the Packers uh, beat the Seahawks. Uh, but I'll get to that later on in the program. But. You know, he's won some playoff games in his history. He's had a couple of bad playoff losses. You know, the uh, the comeback against Seattle in the championship game. Uh, he's had, he, you know, uh, he lost to Arizona in 2015. He's a couple, he's couple of, with Larry Fitzgerald's 
phenomenal, fantastic Hall of Fame performance. Uh, you know, he's lost a couple of playoff games that, you know, that's been heartbreaking. But, you know, he's, he's going to be a good coach. He should improve that offense. You know, hopefully he doesn't, you know, on fourth and two, hopefully he does you know, on fourth and two at the five-yard line in the uh, – and the uh, Cowboys down six. Hopefully, uh, he decides. Uh, hopefully, he decides to go. F- you know, go for the fourth and two rather than uh, kicking the field goal, a la Jason Garrett in the uh, in the Cowboy Patriot game the Sunday before Thanksgiving back in November. But you know, he's 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 a good coach. But the test will be. Uh, this will really prove. Now, granted, this Cowboy offense isn't filled with a bunch of scrubs with Dak and Zeke and uh, you know Jason Witten still has some talent and uh, Mari Cooper, but you know it's be it'll be interesting to see how Mike McCarthy uh, is going to prove his worth as an NFL head coach without without uh, Aaron Rodgers, the high end talent of Aaron Rodgers at QB, which really saved him many which saved him many a time at his time in Green Bay, and it'll be interesting to see what he'll do with an inferior quarterback in Dak Prescott playing in a little bit more competitive division with, because uh, you know the Redskins are going to be better just because of the fact they have a new coach that looks like to be grabbing things by the by the uh, horns in Ron Rivera in Washington. So they might be competitive, plus who knows with Alex Smith and uh, Alex Smith and hopefully Haskins improves during the offseason. And then, of and then you know the Giants, Giants. You never know. I don't really. They'll kind of be at the bottom of the totem pole. I would imagine in two thousand twenty. And then the Eagles, who won the division, who is basically going to be starting from scratch with everybody that got hurt over the season, healthy with Aguilar and Whiteside, and uh, I mean Aguilar stinks, but I mean, but still, and Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun uh, Jackson, who really his best performance and his only game of note was uh, week one against Washington when he absolutely lit him up in the second half uh and then but they'll get and of course Carson Wentz is, as well but um but it'll be interesting to see how Mike McCarthy does in a new environment it's been about a year uh out of coaching so he hasn't I don't think he's missed too too much I didn't I wouldn't expect him to either but a uh, new environment It'll be a very interesting to see, but he's not the guy that's going to give you that firing brimstone type speech. I mean, he's he's. I mean, he just looks like a regular, ordinary guy that just happens to be an NFL coach. So, hopefully, he can get the Cowboys over the hump. If you know the which most likely might be, uh, this uh or next season when the Cowboys are looking at a playoff contention in two thousand and twenty. Giants hired uh their new uh head coach by the name of Joe Judge, who was a wide receiver and special teams coach from uh, Bill Belichick's staff. And if you know anything about the Bill Belichick assistant coaches, they do not end up being very good uh head coaches of their own teams. I mean, the best one is Bill O'Brien, but he's okay. He's you know, he's okay. He's good. He's good. He's you know that happy. He's he's the best one, but isn't saying much because you know he's not, you know he's not a uh, he's not bum Phillips. Let's, let's put it to you that way. But uh, Romeo Cornell, terrible. Uh, Charlie Weiss in Notre Dame, terrible. Josh McDaniels when he had his chance at Denver, terrible. Matt Patricia has yet to win nine games total in his uh in his tenure in uh Detroit. 
uh, Brian Flores. Hopefully, he'll uh, turn things around with Miami. But as of right now, you know, not not too good look, looking right now. I mean, the only one they have is is uh, is Bill O'Brien, and don't include um, the Titans coach Vrabel because he did not coach for Belichick. He coached for Urban Meyer at Ohio. He played, play, playing for and coaching under Belichick is two different is two different things. Okay. Vrabel played under Belichick, but his coaching, he comes from the coaching tree of uh, of uh, Urban Meyer over at Ohio at uh, Ohio State. So don't so don't don't confuse it too. Well, he had well one assistance came out. Well, it's Mike Vrabel. No 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 no. Mike Vrabel played under Belichick. He did not coach under him. He played under him. He he was he's an ex he's an expatriate. He coached. He coached under. You know he co- he coached at Ohio State. He coached at at Ohio State and under Bill O'Brien, ironically enough. So he he's he's a product of a product of the Belichick coaching tree, but he's not a direct uh, Belichick disciple. Uh, so to speak, but you know, I mean, the Giants had a chance to go get um, uh, they got Matt Rule, the head coach out of Baylor, who turned who turned that program that was dead in the water with the death penalty and everything else to one uh, to at one point holding one of the top four spots in the college football playoff this past college football season. Uh, you know, was very competitive, played in the uh, in the Sugar Bowl. So, you know, hopefully he does a good job turning around the Carolina Panthers organization, turns them into winners fast. What the future holds for Cam Newton, that's yet to be determined under the new head coach. Uh, and, you know, I mean, the owner, Tepper, looks like he's a go-getter, you know, who's got all this money and resources. He doesn't want to, you can tell he's a guy that can't stand being stuck and can't stand mediocrity. He's He's a hands-on owner, not to the extent of Jerry Jones, but he knows when to pull back, and he also knows when to be hands-on and involved in his organization. So it looks like that the owner, Tepper, is interested in winning, which, if you're a Carolina Panther fan, is uh, always fantastic news. I wish uh, those of us who are fans of teams like you know the Bengals, the Browns, and teams like that, wish our owners was a little bit like that. Uh, and the Giants with Joe Judge... Who knows? I mean, special teams. I wouldn't necessarily sniff the special teams coordinator position. I mean, Harbaugh, after all, it's a special teams uh, coach under Granite Andy Reid, who who is basically who is basically this generation's Dan Reeves, one of the greatest coaches to go down in history. That's never uh, won a Super Bowl, but uh, you know, it's all it's all yet to be determined, and we all have to see how it played itself out. Uh, come fall, winter of 2020. Take a break. Come right back. Preview the 2019-2020 National Football, or excuse me, College Football National Championship game between Clemson and LSU. I'll be back to preview that. Stay tuned. Don't touch that phone. Don't touch that computer. Don't touch that iPad. Be back with the Amateur Like a TIS podcast with yours truly right after this.
Welcome back to Amatelica TIS Podcast. Switching gears now to the College Football National Championship game between the Clemson Tigers and the Auburn Tigers that is to be played at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, this should be a interesting football game. Granted, the fact that none of us, yours truly included, at least for the most part, don't like the uh, the starting time of uh, or not the starting time per se, but you know, starting times at a clock, which isn't that bad. But but I don't like the date. I mean, having it two weeks before. I mean, why? I mean, the national football champion, the college football national championship game, should have been played last Monday rather than this upcoming Monday. To be quite honest with you, because wild card weekend. I mean, I don't like it at the day after the NFL playoffs in general, but and I know it was they were kind of like in a tricky spot because the Saints, you know, they had the home game on Wild Card Weekend, but I mean, but well, I shouldn't bring that up because if the if the Seahawks would have beat the Forty ers in Week Seventeen, they'd be looking at that situation this week rather than last week, where the Saints would have to uh, where the Saints would be playing on uh, you know this weekend, and then they'd have to play the game and then clear out the whole stadium, clean it up and everything, and turn it over from uh from a Saint you know, from Saints home field advantage to a, a neutral site with all the college football national championship signage and everything else is concerned and shops and everything, you know, and things of that matter. But what it is what it is. Clemson is number three seed going up against number one seed LSU. Both teams have not lost a game all year, both fourteen and fourteen and oh. There's a little uh refresher for you, Ohio State uh, who played uh, Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl on the, uh, I believe it was the 28th of December, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Clemson beat Ohio State 29-23. Uh, give you a little uh, rundown here, the stats. Trevor Lawrence, who hasn't, who hasn't lost the game since... Uh, who hasn't lost the game since high school, if I remember, if I got that right. He was 18... Of, Excuse me, eighteen to thirty-three with two hundred and fifty-nine passing yards, two touchdowns, and had sixteen carries for one hundred and seventy yards and a touchdown. Uh, their leading receiver, uh, Eatine, had three receptions, ninety-eight yards, and two touchdown catches in the ball game. LSU, you know the story. Joe Burrow, seven touchdowns in the first half, ran for one, so it's responsible for eight touchdowns. LSU scored. Uh, all of them, all seven touchdowns thrown in the first half of play. He was twenty nine for thirty nine with four hundred ninety three passing yards and seven touchdown passes. Ran for a touchdown, ran for its touchdown and had twenty one yards on the ground. Uh, Curry had sixteen carries, ninety yards on the ground as well. Jefferson, their wide receiver, fourteen receptions, two hundred twenty seven. Uh, receiving yards and caught four of the and caught four of the seven Joe Bur- Joe Burrow excuse me touchdown passes in the game, uh and LSU won the Peach Bowl, uh sixty three twenty eight over uh over the twelve and uh twelve and one I believe heading, yeah twelve and one heading into the game number four seeded Oklahoma, so oh yeah, and Jalen Hurts uh so. This should be entertaining, an entertaining and very interesting football game. Both of these powerhouses in college football, LSU, who you know beat Alabama earlier in the season, one of the pre starting to come back as one of the premier programs in all of college football in that SEC conference. 
Uh, meanwhile, uh, Clemson, who's been kind of neck and neck with Alabama towards the end of the 2010s decade as far as uh, college football supremacy is concerned, both of these teams are going to have to, their defenses must have been up all, all hours of the night this week and heading into Saturday night to find and coaches and the players included on how to stop these two dynamic quarterbacks. Burrow is more, you know, of course, is the pocket passer, the one that, you know, if you're an NFL team, you'd like to have, you know, <clears throat> Cincinnati Bengals, I'm talking to you. Uh, you'd like to have that pocket passer, Joe Burrow, who can just absolutely kill you with his arm, you know, doesn't turn over the football a whole hell of a lot, throws, you know, throws for you, you know, for, he nearly had 500 passing yards in the uh in the peace ball. I just read it to you, you know, and has good, you know, completes the football. Doesn't you know waste his time with the football too often, you know, compared to a guy like Trevor Lawrence who is good, but you're not exactly sure if his game is you know the the NFL uh you know is 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 uh NFL ready so to speak. You know, very quick to run with the football. You know, and throw and very and also very quick to throw the football. Uh, as well, but if you're in the NFL, you like to have, you like to kind of have the quarterback throw a little bit more than he runs. Be you know, this is kind of same story with Lamar Jackson here in these playoffs. You know, you wanna you wanna make you wanna make Trevor Lawrence throw the football, because the thing is, what makes him so dangerous, he wants to throw football when he wants to. Your job as a defense is to make uh, Lawrence throw the football when they force you to. So that should be very interesting uh, to see. Should be one uh, hell of a uh, national championship game. I'm pretty sure it should be the bomb diggity. And I will pick that along with the divisional playoff games in our pick segment at the end of the program. So that is your national football championship preview. Take a break. Come right back and preview the divisional round games in the National Football League and give you my picks. For all four of the divisional games, plus the extra with the College Football National Championship game. Back right after this. Welcome back to I'm a Tell Like a TIS podcast. Switching gears now to the moments of the weekend and really the cornerstone of the sports weekend, and that is your 2019 NFL playoffs, NFL divisional round of the uh, of the 2019 playoffs. But and it should be interesting, very interesting. Uh, preview all four games from 49ers to 49ers and Vikings to Seahawks and Green Bay. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, let's go by each one of these games one by one here. Uh, starting out with the 49ers and Vikings game. Vikings, of course, coming off of their win last week. 
against the New Orleans Saints late in overtime. Kirk Cousins, phenomenal job. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, phenomenal job. And defense, which was has, has not been talked about enough, also did a phenomenal job. All three of those units did well, excuse me, in the ball game uh, last Sunday afternoon. Going up against the f- number one seed, 49ers. 49ers are favored. I can pull this up. 49ers are favored my, by, wow, 49ers are favored minus seven. So by a touchdown. Uh, which, which I, which is a little, which is a little crazy if you, you know, if you think about it. Uh, cause Ravens favored, uh, minus 10 against the Titans and Chiefs favored minus 10 against the Texans. But the 49ers are favored minus seven. Wow. Betters really don't trust Jimmy G in his first ever playoff game. No, I don't blame me. The Vikings, they kind of got a little bit of karma going for them. Uh, you know, uh, you know, they came back and won last week, knocked off the, uh, the Saints and no one thought they could. Teams and everybody out there don't really think that the Saints have the uh, have the have the ability to pull off the major upset, you know. So and the and uh, it's the first home playoff game for the Forty ers in their new stadium at Levi Stadium in their first home playoff game since uh, what the two thousand thirteen. No, the two thousand yeah, the two thousand thirteen NFC divisional playoff game when they played the Packers at a candlestick. So uh so it sh- it should be rowdy and it should be uh jumping over at uh Santa Clara and in the and at and around the San Francisco uh Bay Area. Uh so you know, I don't I don't know. I mean do I expect Kirk Cousins to uh, sort of at sequel what he did last week? No, I do not. Uh, do I expect Jimmy Garoppolo to look like Joe Montana? No, I do not. But, I mean, the defense, I believe, with Bosa and with Sherman and with that offensive line, which was absolutely phenomenal, especially on the li- on the left side with Stanley Stanley, whatever his name is, neutralizing Jadavion Clowney in the Seahawks game uh, two weeks ago in Week 17 on Sunday the 29th of December. Uh, they did a good job, and I expect to do and I expect them to do the same when it comes to Everson Griffin and the uh, and the Vikings pass rush. Did a good job getting the Drew Brees last week. But again, if the Vikings want to prove that they belong in the NFC playoffs and and you know get play play another game, want to keep this season alive and play another game, which if they were to play it and win it, they'd be in the Super Bowl in Miami to possibly end that legacy of failure that's been haunting that franchise since the very beginning. They gotta take down another NFC powerhouse in the in the San Francisco 49ers that has played phenomenal all season. Good quarterback play from Jimmy Garoppolo. George Kittle, the tight end, has been absolutely phenomenal. A uh, running game showed up when they needed most. Offensive line's been very solid. Defense, I mean, whole nine yards. They've had a they've had a very very good season. The only thing that would scare you as a forty nine is lack of experience with the head coach. You know, his first ever his this is his first uh, playoff game coaching since 
the uh, 28 to 3 Super Bowl 51 when he was the coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons back in 2016. It make you nervous because there's so little uh, playoff experience on the 49ers sideline that you'd be anxious to see how all of them handle it, Garoppolo included. Richard Sherman is one of the few members of that team that's kind of been there, done that, got a ring and got a uh, and bought the T-shirt sort of guy. But you know he's he's you know he's, de- he's defense playing in corner. It's a little different than you being a uh, you being the quarterback, which is which you are in essence supposed to be or at least are uh, the leader of the team. So it should be a very interesting and very entertaining football game. Can't wait. 4.30 can't come soon enough. Uh, that's the game number one. Game number two uh, is between the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. Tennessee knocking off the New England Patriots in Foxborough off of a tremendous performance on the back of uh, Derrick Henry, who had the playoff game, had the game in that day of his life on his 26th birthday last Saturday, they come into Baltimore, who hasn't played a game in two weeks, or actually technically less than two weeks, because they it's been uh it's been 13 days since their last game, not 14. So when they knocked off the Steelers in a meaningless game at M and T, uh, and it's been and it's been a and it's been three weeks since their last meaningful game with everybody playing with Lamar and Ingram and everything else. When it was week 16 and they were taking care of Baker, Mayfield, and the Browns and putting them into their coffin for the 2019 season. Uh, here, here's honestly what I think about the Ravens game. Okay, here, here's, here's what I think. The Ravens, I can see. Now, I know because those of you who don't live here, you just listen to me. I I know. I live here. I've lived here my whole life. been around. I go to school, go to work. I, I deal with Ravens fans 24-7, 365. Not 24-7, but seven days, a, seven days a week, 365 days out the year. Okay? This city is filled to the brim with hype and positive energy for the Ravens. It's everywhere. I, I swear to God, everywhere you look. You know, hotel, hotels, you know, city hall. Restaurants, businesses, skyscrapers, the Pandora building in downtown's lit in purple. Oriole Park at Camden Yards, the warehouse, and everything, you know, in the outside concourse facing towards MT Bank. That's lit in purple. City Hall's lit in purple. Uh, you know, the BWI airport, you know, where you where your car pulls up when you're getting ready to go into the airport, which is where you get to, where you got the people to take off the bags and everything else. That's it went from Christmas colors to Ravens purple. The whole place, I mean, they got the Ravens logo painted painted on a hill, you know, in the in the city. It's biz everywhere you look is big trust this, big trust that. I mean, the the city is literally engulfed. The only places you could probably find more purple around the town. Is is Minnesota, but other than that, this town is filled to the brim, brim. I tell you, with excitement for the Baltimore Ravens, and they have every right to. This has been a phenomenal, fantastic, best regular. What regardless what happens tonight and or next week and or if they make it that far, the Super Bowl on February second. Regardless what happens in between now and Super Bowl fifty four. This this is not not has been not, this isn't an opinion this is fact the best regular season the Ravens have had in their what in their twenty some uh, it's gonna be knocking on twenty five years 
their 20, yeah, let me, I just did the math, their 24-year history of the franchise, their best regular season ever. Number one seed, best record in all of football, best record in the AFC, you know, knocking off the Patriots. Listen to the playoff teams they've knocked off. Knocked off the Patriots. They've knocked off the – they blew out the Texans. You know, they've uh, – uh, even in the NFC, they've beaten the, they've beaten the 49ers and they've beaten the Seahawks. That's two. Texans is three. Patriots, that's four. Um, they didn't play the Titans – uh, uh, let's see, did they, they beat Buffalo, that's five, and I think there's one other team I'm forgetting, uh, if not, even then, that's nearly half of the 12th playoff teams heading into last weekend that the Ravens have beaten. The only team that they that they haven't had the answer for that's in the playoffs right now are the uh, are the Kansas City Chiefs, which they lost to uh, the week before the Browns game, which is which next to the Chiefs are the only team are the only two teams in the National Football League that has be, that knows what it's like beating the Baltimore Ravens in the 2019 NFL season. But, I mean, this town is hype. And I mean hype. They are hype. Now, they got every reason to. Maryland, again, you know, Maryland lost to Iowa, got absolutely railroaded last night uh, with the college basketball program is concerned and and does absolutely nothing when they get to the Sweet 16, the NCAA tournament. It's not baseball season. You know, Nationals won a championship. This is an Orioles town. You know, and nobody gives a crap, you know, about about the uh, Oriole fans like call us when the rebuild is over. You know, Oriole fans that actually have a little bit of common sense and have a little bit of a competitive edge to them could give a damn about what uh, Mike Elias and uh, Brandon Hyde are doing, you know, building up the farm system with the draft. <sighs> when I'm seeing the Yankees and the Red Sox and now the Nationals competing for championships, I, that that sort of stuff puts me to sleep. No disrespect, but but we're like, and I, and I'm not a Ravens fan, but I'm a Baltimorean, so I get so I and I'm an Orioles fan, so I can say something. But call us when, you, but call us when you start winning ninety games. Will you please, you know, call us when you're still in contention, you know. Post, you know, post Mother's Day, then we can talk. But this, but just probably also goes into the fact that this ta- that the city is so juiced and so ready for the Ravens to go all the way to Miami and win. It's going to be a little. Eh, I got to admit, not speaking as you know, someone who's neutral, but someone who's from the area. It does. It feels very weird, and it feels very different, and in a good way, that the Ravens are like the face of uh, attention. Across the American sports landscape and across the league, without their uh, without their poster boys of the franch of what used to be the poster boys of the franchise, and Ray Lewis and as Ray Lewis is, well, the uh, I said poster boy, not poster boy, but without the poster boy of the franchise, Mr. Raven Ray Lewis, you know, strapping up with uh, Lamar Jackson and company. So if if it, now I gotta admit, if if Ray Lewis in his prime was was on this team. The Raven, I tell you, the, the the Ray Lewis in his prime, with with the way Lamar, oh my goodness, great! You if you think that it's crazy around here, now I'm talking Super Bowl, 
that Ravens fans couldn't hardly contain themselves. If you put prime, if Ray Lewis in his prime on this football team, look out, look out. That's all I got to say. And can, and can you imagine the hype with Lamar Jackson and then Ray Lewis? Oh, my goodness gracious. But, I mean, but it's, 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 it's a little different, but in a good way, that this team has found its winning ways and is looking to be a contender and is really the face of the NFL landscape without their poster boy, who it was for, I think, 17 years, without Ray Lewis, their middle linebacker, and now they got a quarterback. Joe Flacco wasn't it. Lamar Jackson is now the face, the face of the Baltimore Ravens franchise. But I say all that to say that they got all this hype around them with the city. This game has been highly anticipated for two weeks. The players, the fans, everybody's been looking forward to this game for two weeks. Okay? It's a night game, which adds it, which ups the ante even more. It's a, it's a playoff game if it's automatic on national television. But it's but the fact that it's in the primetime 8 o'clock window on a Saturday night adds up the anticipation a little bit, you know, adds up the anticipation, you know, tenfold. So you got that. And you got Lamar, you know, having a heck of an MVP season he's having with Ingram. I mean, the Ravens, and and remember, Lamar played one of the worst, you know, games you could, one of the worst playoff games you can play as a quarterback when he absolutely spit the bit last January at home against the Chargers. You know, it looked like he never picked up a football in his life, uh, you know, in that game. So there's also highly anticipation to see if he's learned his lesson since the Charger game last year and and looking for signs of improvement. So you got that uh so you got that on his shoulders. And it's just, you know, I mean, could I I can see the Ra- I tell you, I can see the Ravens being very tight and being very Edgy, itchy, whatever the word you want to call it, this organ, you know, whatever the word you want to use, I can see him being very tight in the beginning of the game, very tight. You know, Titans coming in, nothing to lose. You know, they beat New England, which was already a trophy and an award in and of itself. You know, no, absolutely no pressure on them. Nobody in America thinks they have a they have a shot unless you're unless you're you're you are our little pal Brendan, who's counting for Derrick Henry to you know turn into Eddie George, and not not to say that Eric, that Derrick Henry isn't a fantastic player because he is, but you know who's expecting. Let me matter of fact, let me read you the text message he gave me earlier uh, earlier this morning. This is this is what this is what he said. He says he texts me at uh he texts me at ten fifty four this morning and say Ravens must lose in all caps. He says, he's like today, now, blood for for the God for blood for the blood of God, whatever that means. He said I want them to lose today. Be embarrassed at home by Derrick Henry. It would make me so happy. He says Derrick Henry for two ten and three touchdowns. <laughs> Who's with me? So unless you're Brendan or unless you're a Titans fan, no one in America expects you to win this game. Not a soul, including yours truly. Not a soul expects you to win this game. Going, they're going in there with house money, Tannehill at quarterback, little to no expectations. I could see it. I could easily, easily seeing it be 13-10 at halftime 
for the Titans, but I believe the Ravens are going to win this game. Uh, moving to Sunday's action with the the first game with the with the uh, Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs, you know, coming off of the bye week, week seventeen, they took care of business uh, and got that and got that number two seed thanks to Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Miami Dolphins taking care of business against the Patriots in week seventeen. Uh, haven't played a game in two weeks. Their second straight year with a uh, with a uh, with a bye. They were the number one seed last year. This year they're the number two seed, but they get the benefit of the uh, of a Saturday home playoff game and week off. As the Houston Texans come into town after a come from behind victory, when the Bills absolutely vomited all over themselves. Josh Allen defense the whole bit vomited all over themselves, and Deshaun Watson, you know, turned went back to his went back to his Clemson days and brought this team back from the dead. And uh, beat the Bills in overtime last week. So, but again, the Tex- the Chiefs had a bad loss to the Texans early in the season. But rarely, especially Andy Reid, who is phenomenal, absolutely fantastic when it comes to uh, getting his team prepared with the extra week off. Uh, he been he been uh, the only the only coach I know that that benefits from that more is you know Harbaugh and Belichick. But Andy Reid, whether it's with the Eagles or with the Chiefs, does a phenomenal job, phenomenal job preparing his team when they have the when they have the extra week to prepare for uh, for their next opponent. And it shouldn't be anything different today with uh, with my homeboy who I know is just itching to get back on the field and itching to get back out there in Arrowhead in a playoff environment who fit you know, I'm pretty sure has the feeling that he has a little bit of unfinished business when he wasn't in a lot when he didn't touch the football in that overtime period in the championship game against the Patriots last January. But um but hey, I mean, this is a game that I honestly think that I, I see the Chiefs winning. I see, I see them pulling it out. Their favorite minus ten, like I told you, and I, you know, I got the I got the Chiefs in this game. So it looks like hopefully, if all goes well, it should be a Chief Raven Chiefs Ravens classic in the AFC Championship on uh, next Sunday at uh, six thirty on uh, Sunday evening. Uh, the last game of uh, divisional weekend and the uh, and the uh, last NFC game of divisional weekend is between the Seattle Seahawks and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the Seahawks, you know, they went they didn't do it very convincingly, but they did a good job beating the Eagles in Philadelphia last week. D- DK Metcalf had the game of his life. First ever playoff game, set an NFL record for most receiving yards, and in, in your first ever playoff game as wide receiver, Russell Wilson, who can be very spotty in the meat in the meat and potatoes of the game, but as soon as the dessert, quote unquote, you know, quote unquote, a, a la the uh, the end of the game comes around, he can he can do damage to you, and uh, and I don't care. When, again, the Packers are not a the Packers, no way. The Packers are they don't look like a they don't look like a number two seeded team. They then what let me see what their record is. 
because they because they the Packers honestly are not as good as everybody thinks they are. I mean they got they got absolutely destroyed by San Francisco. And I grant granted that was back in November, but they got but let's 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 be fair and call it we see it. They got absolutely destroyed. This, this, if they if they were and they did not have the Saints or the Seahawks on their schedule, which also was a huge benefit. So uh, when when you don't have the Saints and the Seahawks on your schedule, and when you get destroyed by the Forty Niners on the road on Sunday night in prime time, that tells me all I need to know. Especially when you have to ham and ham and egg your way, and you know scratch and claw to beat inferior, pathetic, in no, nothing to play for, no count football teams in the green in the uh, in the Chicago Bears. And the Detroit Lions late in the season. I mean that 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 tells me all I need to know. The Green Bay Packers. I'm sorry. I I don't want to. I don't. Well, I should cut the charade. But let but let's call like we see it. And let's be fair. The the Green Bay Packers. Their record is thirteen and three. But but let let's let's be honest with you. And I could give a crap that Russell Wilson doesn't necessarily play his best weather in cold weather. I could give a crap that the Packers are two and zero. And Lambeau against Seattle in in the playoffs. I could give a crap that it's supposed to snow about a foot in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and it's and the temperatures is going to be frigid cold in Green Bay. All of that I do not, I I don't give two squirrel farts about. I really really don't because what I see is a team that is not as good as everybody thinks they is. They are the number two seed basically by default because they didn't play the two, one the top two best teams in the regular season and the Seahawks and the Saints. It worked out in their favor. They're thirteen and three. The uh, Seahawks spit the bit at the goal line scenario with Carroll. We we rehashed this and with the ref ball that wasn't called that the pass interference with the guy housed during the end zone. The the Seahawks absolutely, I mean the Seahawks absolutely absolutely they're the fifth seed, but they're the better team to be quite honest. They are the, they are the better team to be quite honest with you. And it would not shock me, it would not shock me, at all if Russell Wilson goes into Seattle or excuse me goes into Green Bay and knocks out Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. It would not shock me. They have they have the quarterback, the quarterback the quarterback and uh, QB. You know, they have playoff experience. They played in a playoff game last year. They played in a playoff game in two thousand and sixteen. They and then they had and then they had they, you know, played in two playoff games in two thousand fifteen. And then they had back to back Super Bowl runs in two thousand thirteen and two thousand fourteen. And they played a playoff game in two thousand twelve when they lost I believe when they No, yeah. So they played in two playoff games their first year together in twenty twelve. Back to back years they went to the Super Bowl in thirteen and fourteen. Fifteen and they played in two playoff games, lost in the divisional round to the uh, Panthers. Two thousand sixteen, they played. They played in. Uh, did I say did I say sixteen? Yeah, sixteen. They played in two playoff games. They won one. Uh, seventeen, they missed the whole thing. Eighteen, they played in one when they lost to the Cowboys. And then this year, they have one already under their belt in the pack and the and the tandem between the floors. I like to call them the floors. Matt the floors and uh, and Rodgers. They they have no experience together, so I'm taking I'm taking the guys with, with the with the experience and overall with the better football team. I'm sorry, but that's just but that's just the way I feel. If you don't like it, then I could care less. Uh, and one other thing. Andy Reid twenty two and five coming off of a bye, so my stats back up what I uh, previously noted with Andy Reid and his teams doing well. When they have the extra week of work, uh, plus you can just plus you can kind of sense that that uh that the Texans may be a little gassed 
You never know. Uh, but um, I don't know. It should be very interesting. It's always the best, uh, best weekend of football. Uh, of the best weekend, you know, best weekend of football of the year. Um, keep in mind this is the last Saturday of football until the Saturday before Labor Saturday before Labor Day when college football starts back up again which whenever date that might be but it's the last Saturday with NFL football for a good little while so be sure to enjoy it because you know you got the whole winter and all the spring and all the summer until you got uh Saturday football again but Enough of the talk. Let's pick the Saturday and the Sunday and the Monday football games for us. The national championship is concerned with my divisional round and college football national championship picks in the league, at least in the NFL, where they play full pay. Starting out, game number one, Vikings, San Francisco. San Francisco, like I told you, favored by seven points. I expected, I expect San Francisco to win the game, twenty-seven to seventeen. Ravens favored minus nine. Second ever playoff game for Lamar Jackson and company going up against the Titans. I will pick the Ravens to win that game, twenty-eight thirteen. Kansas City favored minus nine and a half. Now you went from 10 to 9, nine and a half. So did the Ravens game. Went down from 10 to 9. Uh, because uh, I don't know if Mark, In- Mark Ingram is supposed to play tonight. But I'm not exactly sure why the spread would decrease. But anyway, it's not here nor there. Uh, Houston and Kansas City. Kansas City for minus 9 and a half. I'll take Kansas City to win the game. 20, or excuse me, 31-21. And Green Bay and Seattle. Seattle, I told you, is the better team. And I like Russell Wilson. I I don't care if it's I don't care if it's the Freezer Bowl 1981 AFC Championship with minus 50 below with the wind chill, howling winds at 40 miles an hour, and it's snow and the and it's and the uh, snowflakes are are about an inch thick. You can't see, and it snows a foot in Lambeau Field. I don't care. The Packers are not, repeat, are not better than the Seattle Seahawks. And that is fact, which is why I will pick Seattle to win the game 27-24. And with the national championship game, I got LSU, my boy, hopefully, Lord willing, keep your fingers crossed, Joe Burrow, former, or excuse me, future Bengals quarterback, leading his way and beating the Clemson Tigers by the final score of 31-28. to And those are your picks in the league where they play for pay. So, that is your show. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, new to the program, be sure to subscribe uh, anywhere. You know, Spotify, uh, iTunes, iHeartRadio, whatever the case might be. Um, Follow yours truly on Twitter at the J Shield. Follow the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore T I is. Enjoy the playoff football, everybody, and enjoy the national championship. 
good talking to y'all. Talk to y'all next week. God bless. Y'all take care. Enjoy the football.